We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRA. DIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome in, welcome in, everybody. I am your host, Eric Balkman, for the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. This is a podcast we do weekly right here on the FFPC YouTube channel, and you can definitely check it out at rotoviz.com slash podcast if you prefer the audio-only uh, version. That way you don't have to look at me the whole time, and I'm telling you, it's totally worth it. Um, I do want to remind uh, everybody before we bring in tonight's guest and co-host um, that... Uh, if you want to get in on some weekly action with the FFPC, you can definitely do so. Play the FFPC Weekly Challenge Week 8. There's no draft. There is no salary cap. You just choose 10 or 12 players by Sunday's kickoff, and you ride them out through the rest of the weekend. You can only pick one player per team. You can play in the slim format without kickers and defenses. You can play in the classic format with kickers and defenses. You can enter for $35 or $200, and we have 30-team contests, 100-team contests, and, of course, the 10-team contest we added where it's a $200 entry, winner takes all, all being a 2023 FFPC main event entry. Uh, so that's going to be very exciting uh, for anybody who can join for 200 bucks, And then, of course, uh, turn that in to a uh, to uh, a free entry and play for a million bucks in the 2023 FFPC main event. Um, and uh, I, there have already been some winners for that, and there's going to be more. And why not you? Because to get that main event entry squared away uh, before the season starts, uh, would certainly be a lot of fun. Uh, tonight, uh, let's welcome in uh, our our guest, uh, a guy who's been on not only the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour before, but a guy who's been on 
the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. He makes his return tonight. He is a nine-time FFPC Football Guys and Dynasty League High Stakes League champion. You follow him on Twitter at ship underscore chaser. Please welcome in from the Dynasty Fantasy Football Factory, Mr. Jared Hines. Jared, happy Tuesday to you, man. How are you? Good, Bucky. How you doing, man? Yeah, just living the dream, man. Living the dream. Excited to talk to you tonight. We're going to chop it up on some early returns and zero RB drafting. We're going to talk about what Seahawks, if any, uh, that you want to grab off waivers with DK Metcalf out and, and, and so much more. So I'm excited to talk to you tonight that you got several teams. I know you were all the way up into, I want to say, fifth or sixth place last week in the Football Guys Players Championship, right? Yeah, I was in sixth place. Place. Okay, got it. Yeah. And I know you still have several teams in contention there. How has the season yeah. as a whole been going for you so far through seven weeks? Pretty good. I feel pretty good so far. Uh, you know, it's a long ways to go. So I'm just, you know, trying to keep it steady, so to speak. But uh, better than last year. I mean, you know, want to live in the moment and not live in the past. But last year was crazy. And I've heard some other people talking about this year being crazy for them. And somehow, I'm sitting back going, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, like that sixth place team, Brees Hall was my first running back I took in the fourth round. It was kind of, I was going to talk about, because uh, you invited me on here before he actually right. got hurt, right? And yeah, so I was yeah. going to like, in the fourth round, the question in my mind at that time, I, I went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And then I had like Akers versus Brees Hall in my mind and on my board at that point. And, you know, I felt like Brees Hall was the right decision. You know, I probably took him at that spot four out of five times or something like that. And so anyway, that team, uh, you know, sixth place, that's great. After six weeks, I don't, I don't know what that wins me, but uh, <laughs> I got I to gotta hustle to try to find some more running back production now. And that's and let's let's I mean let's start it off with with that discussion right now because you you went zero RB in, in a lot of drafts this year. I want to specifically ask you number one. Um, are you a big believer in the zero RB strategy? Number two, have you consistently done it over the years? And number three, how has it been working out for you so far this year? And sort of how do you expect to have it? How do you expect it to manifest itself for your team specifically for the remainder of the season? Well, uh, I've, I have been doing it for a number of years. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm um, like all in on that as a strategy. Um, and for me, it's not necessarily about like an according to Hoyle zero running back drop the way maybe people would debate and agree that it, you know, what that means. Like if I go three wide receivers and then take a running back, does that count? Does that not count? I don't know. I don't care. The, the point is more about the fragility of running backs and, and emphasizing how important elite wide receivers are. Um, but I, you know, it's not like all of my team builds are that way. I think probably maybe some of my most successful team builds this year are, you know, more of a hero running back build where I'm, you know, or an anchor, whatever you want to call it, but like, you know, something like Barkley and then three wide receivers and, you know, um, you, you know, and it's, I, I think this year, especially it's sort of a, it was a strange board as I read it. And I think this is playing out to be true, which is to say, people are afraid of the dead zone for running backs. Mm -hmm. I've historically been able to navigate those waters pretty good for the most part and find the right running backs in that area. And I think this year there's some trends that really got accentuated. Like everybody's waiting on quarterbacks. The, the quarterbacks all fell. These dead zone running backs fell. 
And so I think zero running back just structurally became perhaps much, much more viable this year than even it has been in the past. And I think it has been viable in the past, but I think maybe this year is like the year. Um, we'll see, you know. Let me ask you this, because I hear this from a lot of people and I see it on Twitter a lot. And and I'm just kind of like, I'm over it. Like I, I hear and see a lot of people say, oh, this, this year's just been crazy. This is the weirdest year I can remember. I feel like I, I hear people say that and I see people say that every single year. And and I don't necessarily view this, this I mean, compare it to 2020 and that season. I mean, that was a bonkers season. Um, but this season, I just feel like, man, this is fantasy football. I don't, I don't think there's anything particularly, you know, on, on the extremes or on the, uh, you know, on the outside that, that we don't normally see seven weeks into the season. Uh, do you read it the same way? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think uh, it, it is perhaps what you would think of as an average season in that sense through seven weeks. Uh, I, I think I do agree with you there. I think what it, what has been different though, just to sort of piggyback what I was saying is that I think the board, the draft board during draft season was perhaps quite a bit different than it's been in years past. I think just based on, you know, sort of mega trends out there, everybody fading running backs in the dead zone, people fading quarterbacks, everybody wanting to take wide receivers earlier, which kind of almost forces you to have to do so as well. Um, or at least I think there's an argument there. Do you think that with, and you mentioned it too, like with everybody putting an emphasis on receivers and, and fading running backs, you look at, you know, this season, how some of these first round running backs have gone. I mean, Dalvin Cook's been okay. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's been a huge bust. Austin Eckler started off slow, but he's been really coming yeah. on. Do you think that there's going to be more, especially in the FFPC, you think that the way this season's going right now, we're going to see more of a trend? for receivers and tight ends to be going early um, next year in the first round, given that you could get a guy like Brees Hall, you know, in the fourth round, given you could get a guy like Saquon Barkley in the second round, Joe Mixon in the second round, you know, players like that. Do you think that there's going to be even more of an emphasis on those, on those receivers and tight ends next year? Well, I don't know how much further you can squeeze that. I mean, I don't know how much further you can emphasize it. I mean, there's sort of at some point there's a mathematical limit to that. Um, I guess maybe when we see how the rest of the season pans out and the results from that, if, if people have, you know, some sort of collective agreement that, hey, uh, we, we shouldn't have faded running back so hard or something, or like, you know, there's some sort of uh, market correction. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this year is the most dramatic I've ever seen in terms of people fading running backs in that dead zone and fading early quarterbacks. I mean, like getting Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes and like the sixth, seventh round, Josh Allen, more like the third round. And, you know, I think next year we'll, we'll see him go first, second round, maybe at the turn there or something. Um, you know, I think you'll start seeing people reach for Mahomes and Lamar Jackson again. I don't know if there's going to be some other elite quarterbacks that kind of creep into that. Probably. I think you're right. I think I think it will happen. Um, one of those quarterbacks I don't expect to creep up into there. Although he, Justin Fields was was great last. I mean, the whole Bears team was great last night. Now knowing, and I know you have him on a few squads this year, Jared. Knowing what he has been able to do consistently on the ground with his legs, which obviously gives you a, a certain floor when you're starting your quarterback. He gets Dallas this week. Tough defense. Is he creeping up into a top 12 area for you where you might look at starting fields? Yeah, and I might not have much choice either. It's uh, 
quarterback has been maybe the toughest position for me to navigate going back to last season and through this season. Um, <clears throat> had just some remarkably bad luck. And, you know, took shots on guys that just don't seem to be paying out. Like Russell Wilson, I was not expecting to be benching Russell Wilson at this point. I figured he'd at least be serviceable, if nothing else, but he's been horrible. Um, Justin Fields, you know, I mean, putting my Bears, you know, goggles away if I can. Um, they seem to be adjusting their play calling to his strengths, which I give them credit for because I was a huge critic of that just even two or three weeks ago. I was like – you know, they, they, they need to not try to turn him into a pocket passer, let him sort of develop those skills naturally over the course of time, but they need to get him on the move. They need to do designed runs in particular. And um, they weren't doing that earlier, but last week I noticed they, uh, they were passing on first down. They were doing things that I thought were quite a bit more um, aggressive and open-minded from a play calling point of view. And, and then, on Monday night in Foxborough, I was blown away by how much more they opened it up for him. And I think you can see the results. I mean, I did not expect them to go into Foxborough and do that. Um, they, they really looked really good. And I think it was because they, they called a game that played to his strengths. And so if they're going to do that going forward, then um, yeah, I think he's in that top 12 discussion this week in Dallas. That's tough. I mean, or I guess, is it in, is it in Dallas or is it in Chicago? I guess in Dallas, in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, they went into Foxborough, but that Dallas defense is, you know, I, I think head and shoulders above other defenses in the league right now. And, you know, I, I, I might not have better options with his running ability and his floor and the way they're playing right now. He's had three really good games in a row. Um, Fields has, at least from a fantasy point of view. And, and I think their play calling is, sharp right now um but yeah i mean that's a tough matchup so if i can find something else i probably will let me let me fire some of these at you uh, would you rather here justin fields or matthew stafford at home against the niners <sighs> you're thinking about it so so now so this is a legit thing that people might consider fields over stafford this week I think I'd have to go with Stafford. You know, he probably has a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. And, you know, man, that Dallas defense is tough. Um, okay, yeah, so, I, let, I, so, so, so let me ask you this, Jared. Throw, throw just because I want to lump this all together. Would you play all three of those guys over field this week? Trevor Lawrence at home against the Broncos. Um, Aaron Rodgers at the Bills. Jimmy Garoppolo at the Rams. Are all three of those guys above fields for you this week? As he goes to Dallas on the short week too, I should I should mention. Uh, I, I you know based on how bad that game against Dallas could go in terms of a floor for Fields and okay. if that defense just tears them apart. Um, I, I I would say yes to like Aaron Rodgers against Buffalo, even though Aaron Rodgers has been struggling or whatever their offense has been struggling. I I think out of necessity because of how good Buffalo is, and that I just figure Buffalo is going to put up points. I think. Rodgers is going to be Rodgers, and he's going to find a way to put up some points, at least from a fantasy perspective. I, I like that matchup probably better. Um, uh, you know, the you said Trevor Lawrence. I'd say probably not that one, but that's, you know, a toss-up. What was the other choice? I'm sorry. Uh, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo at the Rams. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough defense, right? But, gosh, there's so many weapons on the 49ers. I think they're going to – come to play and you know I, I i do like garoppolo against most other 
options, and I would I would start him over Fields. I think one of those weapons in San Francisco now is, is a guy in Christian McCaffrey who gets the full week to practice leading up to this Rams game. Um, Garoppolo, uh, w- when we talk about him, uh, compare him to Air- his matchup this week at Los Angeles. Aaron, is he a, a, a guy that you would start over Lawrence and, and uh, beg your pardon, Rogers? And then uh, Tom Brady is the other one I'll bring into this too. Tom Brady this week uh, at home against the Ravens. Uh, I don't think I like Brady this Thursday because of the Thursday night syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, the chance of it being, you know, just the low scoring game script on a short turnaround. Plus they have been struggling. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know necessarily what to make of Brady and the Buccaneers, but um, yeah, I think I would pick Garoppolo there. Um, but you're playing because because Rogers might, as you just alluded to, not only um, are, are the Bills going to put up points, but Rogers might have to keep throwing and throwing and throwing to keep yeah. the Packers in it. So then he might be the better play over Garoppolo this week too, right? Yeah, I'd probably. Gosh, I mean the Buffalo defense is so good too. You know, like that's yeah. uh, I, I guess you know 49ers have better weapons than Green Bay person. You know. But I'll generally say I'd take Rodgers over Garoppolo in a vacuum, right? So, right. you know, and, and in a possible shootout. I mean, the Rams could be a shootout too if Stafford gets it together. But, but those are those are good, you know, sort of coin flip calls. I, I think I got to go with Rodgers there above those other options, though. Just looking right now um, for that Green Bay uh, Buffalo game on Sunday night. The total on that is forty-seven and a half right now. Uh, the Niners and Rams is at 42 and a half. That's, I thought that thought it would be higher there. So yeah, I mean, I think Rogers is a little bit more tempting for, you know, the potential shootout aspect of it. Um, the Niners and Chiefs got into a minor shootout, I guess. I mean, almost 70 points put up in that game uh, this past week. We got the, the news early on Sunday morning that it would be Isaiah Pacheco assuming the new lead role, uh, the lead, or the starting running back, I should say, for Kansas City. Um, they go on by this week. Uh, and here's what we know. The Chiefs named Pacheco the starter. Edwards Alaire was still heavily involved, and Jarek McKinnon was doing a lot of third down work. I don't want to say, hey, none of these guys are startable. You can't play any of these guys because you consider the offense that they're on. With Patrick Mahomes, they're going to put up points. I mean, one or more of these guys has to be startable. But, Jared, which one? I mean, which which Chiefs running back makes sense as a flex right now? Well, you know, I think this – for me, this – sort of ties into the zero running back build ideal in the sense that, I mean, I was getting Edwards Hilaire in like the sixth, seventh, even eighth round in some of these drafts. And so I I feel like that gives me the luxury of choosing between other late running backs that I might have on my roster and, or not having the luxury of choosing at all. Like if I don't have any other options, I know they're on by this week, but like I'm going to put Edwards Hilaire in there and not really think twice about it because I may not have other options anyway. But if it's, you know, a late pick for me, then I'm not necessarily sweating that because theoretically I have all these stud receivers, maybe an elite quarterback, an elite tight end, and all I'm looking for is just kind of like something out of that running back spot. Well, what better spot than the Kansas City offense? And, I mean, it scared everybody when the news came out that uh, Checo was going to be starting this weekend. Um, you know, I certainly benched Edwards Hilaire in a few spots, and then there were a few other spots where I didn't really have a choice, and you know, so I left him in there. But I figured he was still going to be heavily involved. Um, but then I think we were all kind of maybe a little surprised that okay, so they named Pacheco the starter, but then it wasn't 
like he took over the backfield that day. Now they're going on by. So does he get a much higher, you know, percentage of, of the workload when they come off of by? Well, maybe. And so then that raises the question of, you know, do you really have maybe maybe I would really want to bench Edward Tolaire at that point. But I don't know if that's gonna happen. I think they want him involved in the passing game. I think every team wants um you know, unless they really have a dominant bell cow running back that can just own a ball game, they're going to want a committee in most situations. And that's just the fantasy landscape. And so, you know, I don't know. I guess I don't worry about that. If I've got those guys on my roster and I need to plug them in, I'm going to plug them in. Edwards, Alaire, six carries. Pacheco got eight. McKinnon got two. Um, as far as targets go, McKinnon saw three targets. Edwards Lair saw one target and then Pacheco, I don't think had any. Um, so you can make the case that the guy that was involved the most, well, that no, the guy was involved the most running the ball was Pacheco. And but Edwards Lair got the touchdown. McKinnon um obviously got some touches on on both rushing and receiving. But I think you're right. Um, when you're talking about zero RB, theoretically, you should have some other options. And if you're just looking for something. Edwards Alaire as the as a significant piece of that backfield. I don't know about you. I started Pacheco in a couple of leagues just because I I didn't have much left and and uh, was just hoping for the best. And I'll say this too: I play in a lot of Kentucky fantasy football state championship leagues, and in there it's three receivers you got to start, only one flex, two two running backs, tight end, one flex. Um, so for me, I historically Jared have always drafted. I try to get three receivers within the first four or five rounds, you know. And maybe pepper in a tight end there, but I, I have waited on running backs quite a bit in there. And so I do have a lot of teams right now that are these one injury away type guys, you know, the Alexander Madison's uh, of the world, you know, those, those types of, of handcuffs and so on and so forth. Um, what is your favorite one injury away running back to, to be owning this year? Who's your favorite one to hold? Which one do you have the most of? Well, you know, there's been a couple of them that have sort of already come to fruition. Uh, I mean, like, you know, Benjamin, for example, in Arizona, has had a couple good weeks the last couple of weeks. Um, he was a guy drafted in almost every league and almost every format very late in drafts. He was practically free, which given the sort of the market narrative on James Conner, I think everybody agrees is that he's maybe – kind of fragile or has a little bit of an injury issue and sure enough here we are well who was next up you know benjamin yet he was going in like the 17th 18th round the drafts it, in my mind that never made sense um not that he's you know the next greatest thing at running back but if you're doing a zero running back bill and you're looking for late running backs i mean you can do a lot worse but uh he, he's one that that you know i think is really already come to fruition we've already seen so many other um you know running back injuries uh, Rashad White is a guy that I've drafted in a lot oh, yeah. of spots and, uh, you know, he's starting to get a lot more carries and snaps and, um, theoretically that means trust with Tom Brady on the field. Um, you know, they're playing Thursday night here. I don't know if they're going to give maybe him a little bit more run based on a short turnaround and, you know, it being a long season and Fournette is, you know, I, I don't think he's going to take over the job from Fournette anytime soon, but, um, you know, if they do have aspirations of making a playoff run, which they do, at least, you know, it, it's still within reason at this point in the season. Um, you know, I think Rashad White's a guy that, in addition to being one injury away from a big, big 
potentially league-winning role from a fantasy point of view. He, he could actually be serviceable in a flex spot or in a bye week spot if they – he needs to obviously take over more of the backfield, but I'm curious to see in the next few weeks if, if that happens more and more because it's been kind of creeping up in terms of uh, snaps and um, touching the touches. I, I, I was with you on, on Rashad White for sure. I mean, I, I picked him up in a lot of spots. I, I was never really a believer in – in um uh, oh who uh Kishan Vaughn I mean he was just and Giovanni Bernard was he was getting really you know up there and he was buried on the depth chart and Rashad White seemed to be the guy to own and we will see what happens there going forward if Fournette were to go down I'm with you I expect big things from from Rashad White um receiver talk here DK Metcalf goes down <coughs> excuse me and um the the prospects for him playing in week eight don't look good quite frankly he might be out longer uh, than week eight, but for week eight people who maybe had Metcalf or maybe you just need a receiver. I mean, the chiefs are on by, so you got no, 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 um, Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, the chargers are on by, obviously no Mike Williams, no Keenan Allen, no Josh Palmer there. So maybe you just need a receiver. Marquise Goodwin, D Eskridge. Is there anybody in, in Seattle that you're looking at on the waiver wire in the FFPC Wednesday night that you could pick up and, and play this week, Jared? Maybe. I haven't looked to see who they're matched up against this week, uh, or I don't remember off the top of my head. But, uh, I mean, I like what their offense has been doing. I like what Geno Smith has been doing. Um, Seattle, by the way, is hosting the Giants. That's right. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, um, I mean, Goodwin or Eskridge, I mean, yeah, you know, take a shot on them. I don't know. I was thinking I've got a few names, like Mac Hollins. Um, Darius Slayton is a guy that I was kind of a fan of those last couple of years, and he kind of – Lost his job there in New York, I think, but now he seems to have been winning it back a bit. This last couple of weeks, he's been getting a lot of playing time. Uh, the wide receiver situation in in New York is pretty hard to predict right now, I think. Yeah. But um, but I like what Daniel Jones is doing. I like what they are doing. I like what Barkley is doing. From a very broad brush point of view, I think that's good for their wide receivers if you can figure out which one to you know start or whatever. And Slayton has been a guy that. I, don't, I, I doubt that I would put him in my lineup this week, but he's a guy I kind of want to pick up or at least keep an eye on. Um, the rookie in New Orleans, uh, Shahid, uh, he hasn't necessarily been getting a lot of targets. He's been making a lot of splash plays, but if Michael Thomas continues to be out, if uh, Landry continues to be out, that's maybe a guy I'd go after. Uh, I'm sort of curious to see if Jameis Winston is going to get back or if it's going to yeah. be Galton, but... Um, yeah, I was going to say uh, they're their receiver in L.A. Carter, but uh, but yeah, they're on the bye this week. Right. Uh, but with Mike Williams going out, uh, Carter's maybe decent little pickup. Yeah, he's probably worth it. He probably won't cost you much, I, I would assume, on Wednesday night. Um, getting back to the Seattle thing, is is Lockett in for a massive target share then if you're kind of lukewarm about Eskridge and, God, and Goodwin? Well, probably. I, you know, I, I think maybe – to your point of, of this question, it's uh, if you if you can figure out the answer to that, like maybe there's a big opportunity there. I mean, obviously Lockett's not available on waivers, and if you've right. got him, you're probably starting him already anyway. But um, as far as a pickup, like yeah, I think a speculative play there. There's obviously an opportunity. They're you know a run first team, but uh, they're also playing well, and uh, you know if, so if that opportunity does go to whoever the other outside receiver is, if it's Goodwin, if it's Eskridge, or maybe I don't know if there's a wild card fourth receiver that they might give a shot to or something. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I think a lot of people, a lot of us have talked about how thin the waiver wire is this year. 
um, you know, any of the above. I, I think I'd put maybe Holland's uh, in Las Vegas above the rest of those, though. But, you know, it, it's tough. It's slim out there right now. And, and what else is tough for people? Now, I did not invest in Romeo Dobbs this year. I, I looked at him at the start of the season. I was like, well, you know, Watson's probably ahead of him. Lazard's ahead of him. Watkins, Cobb, you know, Tunyon, Aaron Jones. Why am I going to invest? A, you know, because remember, he was, as you know, he was shooting up draft boards the last few weeks of, of, of the season. And I just I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Now I look at it. Romeo Dobbs this season is averaging six targets a game, which is good for a rookie. However, he got four against the commanders this past week, did not catch any of them. As a guy who does have Romeo Dobbs in, in a few spots, I know not a ton for you, but a few spots, how do you sort of know when to play this guy? Is it just purely when you run out of warm bodies because of injuries and bye weeks? Or is there a time to know when to deploy a guy like that? And and, and you think about how bad the Packers offense has been so far. I mean, I, I wouldn't feel any kind of confidence starting we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not anymore. I thought I had some confidence in it until this last week. But I, I, I actually do have a, a bit more confidence for this week uh, for the you know game against Buffalo, kind of like for the same reasons I was saying that it's you know they're they're going to have to put up points, they're going to have to throw, um, etc. But uh, you know he's continued to be getting targets and getting high percentage of the snaps. Like even if he's not getting targets, he's on the field um, now. <laughs> I gotta correct you though, because because you're saying I have Dobbs in a few places or whatever. Well, like I, I'm pretty sure he's like my number one owned wide receiver in almost every format. I mean, I drafted him like I, I did not know that. I had no idea. But I, he I was free. Was... He was free like all off season yeah. in every format. Nobody went after Dobbs. I'm like, we've been complaining about the Packers not dra drafting wide receivers for years, and then Devontae Adams leaves. They draft two wide receivers in the first four rounds, and everybody's forgets about this guy mm -hmm. and he flashed all through the off season. He, you know, made plays in the preseason and training camp and 
Uh, you know, they were talking about him, and then he wins a starting role in week one. I'm like, why is this guy going so late? Well, you know, okay, so that's the hype, you know, case. The reality, like you said, he got four targets last week, put up a donut. Um, what I've been seeing on the field is that he he's getting the targets. I mean, they're going to him, and, um, you know, he gets open. He doesn't – I, I think Rodgers and him just don't have the right timing. They haven't worked together long enough. In my mind, I assume that that means that the rookie is the one that needs to adjust and is doing something that's not quite like to Rogers' expectation or whatever. Because, I mean, I just all of the things being equal, I figure that's probably what what's going on. But but for whatever the reason is, their timing is off. A lot of the throws in his direction are off, even if he's open. I'm like, dude, he's wide open and Rogers missed him. But maybe Rogers was expecting him to be, you know, in a different spot or whatever. There was some other sort of miscommunication or misunderstanding or whatever. But, you know, um, but I don't know what to make of, of that wide receiver core in Green Bay. Um, I don't think Rodgers knows what to make of it either. It's all just kind of a jumble right now. But I do think he's the man. I think throughout the rest of the course of this season, we'll see Dobbs. Or I don't know how to pronounce his last name. but um, Dobbs, yeah, you got it. Dobbs. I, I think we'll see him, you know, really emerge as, you know, the one or 1A one there. Um, I think Lazard, when he's healthy, at least right now, is – sort of the clear number one, but I think they they want Dobbs to be kind of like the playmaker, you know, on the outside across from him. And, you know, Rodgers has been making wide receivers fantasy relevant for a very long time. There's no reason to think that this couldn't happen with this rookie. Um, but, it, but yeah, there seems to be, if it's a chemistry issue or a timing issue or whatever it is, I, there's been a lot of throws that have been like not catchable. Uh, from what I've seen, but they're definitely going his way. He's definitely getting open, um, and he's on the field like the entire game. So there's reason for optimism. There is, and and I think that's important. And I'll bring this up too. Um, Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV and Peter Bukowski from the Locked On Packers podcast both put this on their Twitter uh, uh, feeds. Um, I think it was on Monday. I don't know if they had it on Sunday. There is a play in that game against the Commanders where Romeo Dobbs was running a a deep – not a crossing route, but it's sort of like a deep corner post to the left side of the field. And um, he had to go, he had to, he had to fly down, turn right to kind of sell it and then cut back in. Well, the thing is when he turned right, there was nobody on that side of the field. Right. And Rogers sees this, but Dobbs in his mind, I don't want to tick off my quarterback who's sort of been, you know, subtweeting me in real life, it, it, you know, all, yeah. all season long. So he then, corrects the route to run it back to the left where it's supposed to go right into the safety. Then at this point, Rogers already seen that the whole right side of the field is wide open. Bombs it down to Dobbs. Dobbs changes his mind. He comes back to where the ball, where Rogers throwing the ball. Rogers misses him by about 12 yards. But if Dobbs would have continued on that route, all of a sudden we're talking about a 65, 70 yard touchdown for Dobbs there. And he looks amazing. So I think that's to your point. I think they just got to get on the same page. They've, and, they've had some deep balls that they've come really, really close to yeah, connecting yeah. on, you know, and there were, there was one, I don't know, week two or week three or something that they, they did connect on. It went to replay, he caught like a 40 yard yes. bomb in the end zone. And it was close, man. I think, I think they ended up making the right call by overturning it. It was, it was super, super close as to whether he had possession, but I mean, it was, you know, just a hair from being like a 11 point fantasy play, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been like that. I, you know, not just, yeah, God, I think those are, I think those are going to hit. Yes, they will. I, I think they will. I, I, as far you want to compare Green Bay's offense to Denver's offense, I feel a lot more nervous about Denver's offense than Green Bay's right now. 
And yeah. now, and now it sounds like Nathaniel Hackett has said that it sounds like, uh, or that Russell Wilson is trending towards playing against Jacksonville this week. But um, if he doesn't, and if we're seeing Brett Rippon out there again, do, do you find, do you try to find a way to bench Cortland Sutton? I know it's tough, um, but how much are your expectations lowered uh, for Sutton now seeing what we've seen from Wilson and then obviously Brett Rippon this past week? Yeah, you know, you sent me that question earlier and I was thinking about that and I kind of went back and forth on that. But, uh, you know, I was thinking uh, last week, well, I sort of regretted having started Sutton. Um, I don't I don't think that I benched him anywhere, even though I had considered it. But, uh, you know, there was that controversial last bomb um, against, uh, what's his name, Sauce Rogers for the Jets. Oh, Sauce Gardner, yeah. Sauce Gardner, yeah, Rogers. Um, well, I mean, it was like a bad inter- pass interference um, that didn't get called. And it wouldn't have mattered for fantasy. I mean, like if they called it, like, you know, it would have been first and goal from the one, maybe, maybe they threw a fade to, to him. But <laughs> the point was that, uh, you know, sauce Gardner looks like the, even if it was a penalty, he, he's a tenacious cornerback. And that's a, that was a tough matchup perhaps. Um, I, th- I thought he missed, uh, what's his, the ripping. I thought he, you know, was close to, connecting with Sutton on a number of spots, but I think it was just a really tough cornerback matchup. I think we have, you know, like a defensive rookie of the year candidate going on here. Um, I haven't looked at the matchup this week, but I do think that it's maybe more of a question of what are your options? I mean, right. if you took Sutton early, I, chances are I'm, I'm going to put him in there and just hope for the best. I, I thought Rippon looked serviceable. I thought that uh, he, he, from what I saw, it looked like he was maybe favoring Judy mm-hmm. based on, you know, the tight coverage against Sutton. So that kind of made sense. Um, maybe, maybe that'll loosen up this week. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat heavily invested into Russell Wilson. So I'm fairly cynical about that situation. <laughs> it's tough. It's, Cause I, I mean, I, I, I know I have a couple of shares of Wilson. It's not much uh, this year. And actually, I was kind of ticked off that I didn't have more. And now I'm pretty happy I, I don't have more. But I, I know what you mean about that. And it was one of those things, too. It's I, I think in the preseason, Wilson was throwing to Sutton a ton. And even during the course of the season, I mean, Judy wasn't getting a whole lot of action. So it's like if you have Sutton, you're probably rooting for Wilson to get back out there um, yeah. so you can feel okay about starting him or at least flexing him out. You know, speaking of flexes, FFPC, tight end premium format, Foster Moreau. It, do you have yeah. to find they they go to New Orleans this week? And I don't know about Darren Waller's hamstring. I don't know if he's going to be ready to go. But let's just say for the purposes of this conversation, Jared, let's say Waller is out again. FFPC football guys, do you have to find a way to get Moreau in as one of your flexes? No, definitely not. Um, I, I I like him as a flex play if you need it. I think it's perfectly legit. Or as a tight end play, I did that this last week. I I've had some rough tight end. Uh, issues and uh, like Bellinger was one guy I had going in New York and now I've lost him at least yeah. I, I think probably for the season and they but um you know and so picking up tight ends has been a little bit tricky this year for me but Foster Moreau was a guy I definitely picked up last week not just on uh squads where I have Darren Waller but just in general and I, I think he's a good option I think they've the, the Raiders have shown that they like going to him uh when Waller has been out or even sometimes when Waller is in uh, it's sort of a different, you know, it's a different regime there now. And it's, uh, you know, they got Devontae Adams, but I, I don't mind Foster Moreau as a, 
as a flex play if you need it. I, I would I would definitely not call it a must flex though, or or a must start. But if you if you got the spot, you could do a lot with. You know what's weird is um, this past week, uh, Devonte Adams saw nine targets for the Raiders and against this, this the te- the Texans. So who knows? Maybe just throw this game out. But but the next guy, the next most targeted guy, Foster Moreau had five. He, but he only catches three passes, which is obviously unfortunate. You were hoping for probably a little bit more there. But I, I think I'm with you. Um, in, in that game, that New Orleans game, if uh, if you don't, you know, if you're if you're scrambling, you have a lot of Chiefs, a lot of Chargers, whatever, uh, Moreau makes for a nice play. In a game, by the way, where the total sits at 49 and a half right now. So you never know. Yeah. You know, but, I, well, I was going to say, too, last week, I mean, Jacobs really kind of dominated that game. And, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't necessarily need to throw much that – that could certainly change. Um, that could, yeah. So, um, all right. So, sticking on the tight end tip here, Hayden Hurst. Two out of his last three games, he's had at least six catches. So, in this offense, you have Jamar Chase, you have Tyler Boyd, you have T. Higgins, you have Joe Mixon. You have so many guys there, so many playmakers that that Joe Burrow has the opportunity to throw to. Um, Hurst tight end premium. Is this a, a type of guy that? Maybe you're not looking at flex, but maybe he's a borderline top 12 tight end, Jared. Well, I've, I've flexed him, and uh, he, he's one of my highest owned players as well, uh, at least in, uh, you know, like these redraft tourneys. Um, he was a guy that was free at the end of drafts, which mm-hmm. just makes absolutely zero sense to me in a tight end premium format on the Cincinnati Bengals. Like you mentioned with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. That is a heck of an offense. I mean, my goodness, why wouldn't you want the starting tight end that they went out and got? Now, in my opinion, I, I like Tyler Conklin. Um, he did well with them last year. He was totally serviceable as a tight end in this format last year. Um, I do think, or I this offseason when they picked up Hayden Hurst, I was like, this is an upgrade. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I see that he's going in the late teens in drafts in most formats and, and in this format, I was like, that just doesn't make sense. And so I got him almost everywhere I could, but that doesn't mean that he was an auto start. I think he's definitely returned value so far and he'll continue to do so. Um, but yeah, I have no qualms about starting him in the flex or at tight end. Um, and especially this week, um, I, I've gone somewhat heavy with Kelsey in this format and he's on by this week. So Hurst is a simple plug in, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Halloween night. It is the Battle of Ohio. Hayden Hurst and the fighting Cincinnati Bengals take on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Total on that game is 47. Uh, what what better, Jared, than Hall- Halloween night where the two black and orange teams in the NFL take the field? That's going to be a fun one. That is going to be a really fun one. We'll be able to see Hayden Hurst on Monday Night Football. He actually, um, in four, let's see, they've played seven games so far. Four out of those first seven games, he's had at least five catches. That is really good. And everybody yeah. says tight ends a wasteland. Boy, you could do a lot worse than Hayden Hurst. Yeah, especially uh, in later in drafts. Now, I didn't wait on tight end in drafts this year, but you know, if, if you sort of thread the needle, you might have been able to get away with that. There, there, there may be some really strong uh, teams in this tournament. Taysom Hill is another guy that seemed like an afterthought that may end up being uh, a league winner in this format. That's true, and we'll see what happens with that for sure. Um, final question here, Jared, before I let you go enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening. Uh, a sleeper this week, 
that you don't think a lot of people will have in their starting lineups that you think is in for a big week eight. And then a guy that a lot of FFPC people will be starting that you think, eh, this guy should probably be on your bench instead. Gosh, you know, a lot of it depends on, on what options you have, you know, and I struggled on this. I looked at this and I was looking at my lineups. I'm like, man, some of these are just academic choices, but, uh, you know, Rogers at green Bay has been struggling. It's hard to call him a sleeper, but I think, you know, at Buffalo, that, that's a strong start. Um, I put Antonio Gibson as a sleeper because everybody says he's lost the starting role and it's Brian Gibson now or Brian Robinson, but I think Gibson has looked better and I think he's going to win maybe the job back. I, it's rose colored glasses maybe, but it's hard to call him a sleeper. I think quarterback, I, I, think, I think he qualifies for sleeper at this point. I mean, Brian Robinson, keep in mind, doubled him up in, in carries against Green Bay. Yet Robinson, 3.7 yards a carry. Antonio Gibson was at 5.9. And remember, Antonio Gibson also caught a touchdown and two other passes in that game as well. So yeah. I think he still qualifies as a sleeper. But I was thinking that quarterback is maybe where there's some good sleepers. I've got, you know, I'm thinking about like that Fields matchup at Dallas. I'm like, going into the New England matchup, I was thinking, well, okay, I feel better after a couple of strong starts by Fields to start him in spots. I didn't feel comfortable starting him against Foxborough, but he had a really good game. Well, at Dallas is maybe as bad as it gets, so I'm still not necessarily comfortable starting him. Uh, but P.J. Walker is available. I think that's not a terrible pick. He, he kind of found his, they found their stride maybe just a little bit last week. Maybe it was one of those emotional bounce back games after trading McCaffrey. Um, every once in a while, teams have weird <laughs> scripts like that. But I think P.J. Walker has, you know, some sleeper appeal. Um, Winston is available in some leagues if they name him the starter. That might yeah, be that's a tough one. It's Because I, I got him in a few leagues, and I don't necessarily want to cut him because it's 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 been hard yeah. finding a backup quarterback. But, man, it's it's getting tougher and tougher to roster him if he's not named the starter. Heineke in Washington, I think, is a good one, actually. I think they got a lot of weapons on that team. I don't know if um, – who's the rookie there? Johan Dotson. I don't know if he's yeah, healthy and going to be back or not. But uh, I thought Heineke is serviceable as an NFL quarterback um, and as a fantasy quarterback last year. I think he maybe got a little bit in over his head and kind of – you know, he's not a tier one quarterback in the NFL, but uh, I think he kind of – the season went on and he finally hit a wall, but I think he can bounce back as a, from a fantasy perspective, maybe put up a couple good games here while Carson Wentz is out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think maybe Heineke, maybe PJ Walker. Heineke, Heineke too. I'll, I'll say this um, in that Washington and green Bay game, there is a play, a pass down the right sideline where Jair Alexander was right on McLaurin and it took a perfect catch and a perfect yeah. pass from Heineke. That was a thing. That was a professional quarterback pass. That was a nice ball. I remember that play. That was a nice ball. Yeah. yeah. And he still, I mean, it, you know, granted the Green Bay defense is, has not been as good as I think a lot of people projected it. He went over 200 yards passing. He threw a couple of touchdowns that game as well. So I think it's going to be interesting. They get the Indianapolis Colts this week, who now have a new starting quarterback. We didn't touch on that at all. Um, okay. Two more yeah. things that we didn't touch on. Number one, Sam Ellinger now starting for the Colts. Are you doing anything different with Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman? Um, you know, any of the pass catches there that you were not doing with Matt Ryan that you might do differently now with Ellinger, or is it still status quo? I think it's status quo. I don't really have any Paris Campbell. I think I have one share of him somewhere. And Alec I, Pierce I'll throw in there too as well. Yeah, Alec Pierce is the one that I've got a lot of, and uh, he, he's he been definitely, I think, a flex-worthy play. But then in the last couple of weeks, 
Paris Campbell has come back, and I, I don't necessarily have a clear picture in my head of what their sort of like snap distributions have been and that kind of thing. But, you know, we're in the heart of the bye week, so I think you could do worse for a flex play, um, you know, than, than Alec Pierce right now. They, I, I love them as a prospect, and I, I think he's definitely played well for them. He's continuing to get targets. Um, Pittman, I mean, I don't know. I don't know because it's – I think you have to start him. I mean, it depends on again what you options you've got, but I don't know anything about the quarterback. And you know, when when we see him out in the field this week, it could be any it could be a wide range of outcomes, but I think you largely have to expect it to be pretty weak, right? So the you know, total, I, the, I don't know how you hedge that. But you gotta find options, I guess, but the total on that game, two commanders and Colts, that's at 40 and a half right now. So it may not be an offensive explosion. Uh, let's talk about the trade that went down yesterday. And, and it directly affects uh, a team we watched play last night in the New England Patriots. They go to New York this week to take on the Jets, who just acquired James Robinson in the wake of the Brees Hall injury. So, Jared, two-part question here. Number one, how do you handle Michael Carter and James Robinson uh, in your lineups this week? Um, are, are, can they, can you feel okay about flexing both of those players out? Not necessarily on the same team if you have both of them, but would they make sense as flex plays given that, you know, there are two teams on by this week and then long-term, how do you think it's going to shake out there? Is it going to be close to a 50, 50 split? Is one of them going to become more of the pass catching running back? More of them going to be the, the inside the tackles two down banger. How do you sort of see that situation as it pertains to fantasy football? Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, I think in the short term for this week, uh, you know, I definitely would start Carter pretty much in any format for the most part. Um, I don't expect James Robinson to never necessarily get into the game much this week based on, you know, the trade having just happened. And he's not Christian McCaffrey, but like, I just, you know, I don't know that he's going to come in and just like take over the backfield or anything like that. I don't expect him to. I think it's going to be a 1A, 1B situation moving forward. Um. With Robinson being the bigger back, you know, I think he'll get the early down stuff. Carter will be more of a third down receiving back, but they're both good receivers out of the backfield. They're both good as as runners, um, you know, and to a certain extent, it may be a question of letting sort of the competition between the two of them play itself out. You know, maybe they each get basically an even split going down the next few games. Um but maybe one of them emerges as better. I don't know. I think they're both very talented backs. I think the Jets in particular, you know, they're five and two. They have a shaky quarterback situation. They just lost their starting running back, but their defense is strong. They're playing well. And so, you know, everybody needs another, you know, everybody needs running backs. So I think on the one hand, it's a good move for them. From a fantasy perspective, it's going to, I figure it's going to be a split. And so if you have either of those guys, I think they're both starting worthy of being started in your lineup. Um, you know, I definitely wouldn't start Robinson this weekend though. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think it was weird because I, I had, I had some Robinson ETN dynasty teams and yeah. obviously I was happy. Oh, now they're broken up. You know, it's, it's better, you know, more variants. And, but then I notice a lot of my redraft teams, I know I have Carter and Robinson on a lot of those, which I, which I, I don't know how that works, but zero sum move there. Well, I get, I, sorry, just really quick to tie yeah, up on that point. Please. It's just the idea that I think they're going to stay competitive. They want to try to stay competitive to win this year. I 
maybe that means they go to Flacco because he played really well for them. Okay. And I don't, I don't, you know, I have no idea if that's actually going to happen or not. But, but from a running back uh, perspective for fantasy, I think it's a good thing if they stay competitive. Um, you know, and that they're playing to win, so to speak. And you know, they, I think that's generally a good thing for fantasy compared to teams that are maybe starting to, you know, see it as a losing season or something. Yeah, it's definitely easier to predict on winning teams what they're going to do, yeah. you know, because you're you're going to keep doing what they've been – they're going to keep doing what they've been doing because they're winning, and it's easier to predict what you should be doing with your lineups as well. And I think you've given a lot of good advice for a lot of FFPC players on what to do with their lineups in week eight. Uh, Jared Hines, so good that you uh, carved out some time tonight. We will continue to follow you on Twitter at ship underscore chaser. Good luck in all your football guys' teams, your dynasty teams, FFPC teams, all of them this year. Thank you so much, sir. We will do this again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Bulky. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Jared, thank you. You bet. Jared Hines, ladies and gentlemen, from Dynasty Football Factory. Again, follow him on Twitter at ship underscore chaser. Uh, as a reminder, the FFPC Weekly Challenge is filling up every single day here. Uh, there's no draft, no salary cap. You should choose uh, 10 players if you want to play in the slim format, 12 players if you want to play in the classic format with kickers and defenses. You can play for 35 bucks. You can play for 200 bucks. Uh, and then uh, if you don't want to join the 30-team contest or the 100-team contest, you can join the 10-team contest where you can play for a 2023 FFPC main event entry. Uh, that is going to be very exciting for anybody who wins their way in uh, for 200 bucks and then maybe takes down the million-dollar uh, grand prize next year. It, it, would be, uh, it would be a story, and we'll definitely have you on the show to tell that story. Uh, that will complete uh, the high-stakes lowdown this week. Um, next week, we'll be back. I believe the Wiley Tigers franchise owner himself, Greg Pignatelli, who is in the top 25 right now in the Football Guys Players Championship. I think he's 24th overall. He's going to be our guest uh, right here on this uh, YouTube channel next week at uh, 10, 9 Central. But you don't have to wait that much longer for fantasy football analysis. Coming up tomorrow on the Better Sports Network, which you can watch on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. But it's always better on the Better Sports Network app, which you can get in the uh, App Store or Google Play. That way you can participate in all the contests. You can chime in and chop it up with uh, with myself and my co-host tomorrow, which I'll tease and which I'll tell you who it's going to be in a second. Uh, you can call in, and uh, it, it's it's a much better experience on the BSN app. So make sure you're downloading the Better Sports Network app in Google Play or the App Store. The Draft Sharks Deep End Fantasy Football Podcast co-host Adam Krautwurst will be co-hosting the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show with me tomorrow at uh from 10 to midnight eastern time so we'll probably get into some ffpc waiver stuff we'll get into a lot of stuff it's gonna be a lot of fun so make sure you're watching that and then of course friday night Farrell elliott and myself will be on 10 9 central for the high stakes fantasy football hour as well three shows every single week during the season this is just the tip off or, or the kickoff i guess we'll have a uh, halftime tomorrow with myself and krautwurst and then of course uh the end of the game uh as we give you the final preparations setting your week eight lineups with myself and Farrell Elliott on the high stakes fantasy football hour. Thank you so much for watching, for listening, for, for viewing, for downloading, streaming, however you're uh, consuming this content. We certainly appreciate it. Remember to like comment, share, uh, and subscribe, get notified, hit that little bell on the video. So you can make sure that you never miss one of these going forward. Thanks to Jared Hines, my co-host and guest for this evening. And we will talk with you tomorrow on the better sports network at 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for watching everybody.
Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thank you.